you were eating baby's hands. It took me a while to figure out exactly what you were meaning by that. Cause I was like, we're eating baby. Is that like a new candy or something? <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, my fiance's like, yeah, you just go around just saying that, Kelly. I was like, yeah, you know, you just want to numb their hands and feet, right? Nom, That's nom, what you do, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. And uh, I should have known when uh, my friend goes, yeah, I found Floyd like licking the floor one day. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> great. Is Floyd yeah. the, the baby? I'm yeah, guessing. the Floyd is the baby. Yeah. I mean, at that age, yeah. you just got to figure out what is safe to eat and what is not. And the floor is definitely not safe to eat. So. Yeah, I mean, he's growing his immune system. It's messing me up. <laughs> yeah, he's fine. Yeah. Babies are strong. Babies are strong. Hashtag yeah. baby strong. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, but yeah, probably like around minute 45 is going to just really degrade. Just like... <laughs> minute 45, there we go. It's going to start ringing. <laughs> yeah. All right. Hi, hi. hi, listeners. This is episode four. Yeah, we're in episode four now. Uh, Kelly was talking about how her voice is very gravelly, and that's how we got into the topic of <laughs> eating baby's hands. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, they're just, they're just so cute. Like, like, you know, the saying, they're just so cute, I could eat them. Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't do it if you have a weak immune system. <laughs> <laughs> so, Kelly, you're based in uh, Minneapolis, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Cool, cool. And you did a film called, what is your film title? Yeah, my film is called My Borrowed Name. It's a documentary about me, I guess, because I'm the main t um, subject. But it's about my father's immigration story and how they immigrated to the U.S. on a borrowed name. And um, just kind of unraveling that story. But, you know, the second act is really about how powerful your last names are, especially if you're Southeast Asian and your your family comes are immigrants or refugees it's about how your last name connects you to who you are um your ethnicity your background your heritage um it kind of just paints a full picture of you um and then i think a little bit of it too is how language really connects you to your culture um because it wasn't until i started learning chinese for the last two years it really pulled me in connecting to my chinese culture a lot more which then i felt a little like i was betraying my lao culture a little bit because now i am way more versed in the Chinese language than I am in the Lao language. So I kind of feel like now it's pulling me away from my Lao background. But then I had to like come to terms with it a little bit because, you know, no matter what I do to like learn Chinese or whatever, like it's not going to stop me from being Lao because my family is Lao. Everything we do is Lao. What we eat, what we practice in everyday life is always going to be Lao. So in, in the film, you know, it's like coming to terms like, am I Lao enough? That's basically the big question for me. Yeah. Are you fluent in Chinese? No, no, <laughs> no. I can I can read it really well, and I love doing Chinese karaoke. Oh yeah, Who yeah. Love Chinese karaoke. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, I love singing it, and I can read it. So if it's in Pinyin, I can definitely like read it for sure, and I can do all the correct pronunciations. But yeah, I'm not fluent. It's really hard for me to like listen and like understand and comprehend. That's really hard for me. But when it comes to like writing articles and like telling stories or just doing homework, I'm really great at that. <laughs> <laughs> I can do that. I can do that. Yeah. I'm yeah, a really I... visual learner. So it's hard for me to just like sit and listen to someone speak to me. So I mean, it's great when you're little, right? Because your brain is still like so moldable. Mushy and just. Yeah, just sucking everywhere. it all up. But as an adult, it's like a barrier to my brain. I'm like, I cannot comprehend anything you're saying to me. I have to like look at the word, look at the character to like really understand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Are you Chinese? Uh, no, I'm actually Cambodian. Cambodian, okay, yeah, this makes yeah. sense now. Everything because makes sense. Everything makes sense. No, because you were a part of Cambodian rock band, right? I was, yes. Yes, okay, yeah. Yeah. That's good. I did take Chinese for two years in, like, middle school, and I remember it being so hard, because you have to, you have to, like, it's the pinyin, and then it's also the character, so it's, like, memorizing yeah. two languages at the same yeah. time. And, and there's no alphabet. <laughs> exactly, and I'm like, why did I choose this language yeah, to learn? exactly. I mean, I, I like the, the sentence structure. It makes it a little bit easier, so there's not a lot of, like, tenses, like, in English. Um, or like French or Spanish. So that makes it a little bit easier. But once you get real past year one, it just like downhill. <laughs> downhill. So it's just huge learning curve. <laughs> but yeah, the fact that there's no alphabet really makes it difficult. Like Korean, I was able to learn like the alphabet in like an hour. And I was like able to read even though yeah. I couldn't 
understand anything, but I could read. <laughs> yeah. I could read it. <laughs> so have you been to uh, China? No, I haven't. Okay. I'm not going to go. Yeah, I would love to go. I know my uncle made a trip out there to visit the family. Like they're still there. Um, so they, they met like my, my grandma's sister or something and their family. I, don't, I mean, I'm sure they have no idea who we are really. Um, but they're, they're there. And, and according to 23 of me, I have a lot of family members. <laughs> <laughs> that's like right. hundreds they keep coming oh out of work and i'm like who are these people like all over the world indonesia like it it seems so far away because they, they're saying like fourth grandparent or something like that but like at the same time it doesn't seem that far it's like still in a lifetime to me i don't know but yeah i hope to go yeah i'm yeah. the same way I, I i remember watching your your short film for the first time at the festival and i related to you the whole time because i've never been to cambodia either and my last name is hawk spelled h-a-k and mm-hmm. growing up everyone would always say hack and i would oh. always be like oh that's not how you say it but then I got tired of you know correcting people how to say it so I I really resonated with your story and resonate with you also you know diving into your your family's history and coming to the terms with who you are yeah that's great what, did you go to college what is your degree in yeah um the college is lo- no longer alive but it's the art <laughs> <Rest in peace. laughs> yeah RIP the art institute Minnesota but yeah it was art school in downtown Minneapolis it's one of those like Corianthans, like you know, non like for profit private schools, the Art Institute is international. So yeah, I went to school for digital film and video production. Um, obviously having the dreams of maybe going to Hollywood and doing whatever out there. Hey, if you're going out there, yeah, let me know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I have some friends who are, are doing that, like, but in different states, like Louisiana or Atlanta. Um, but yeah, I mean, I had those dreams, but then I found like a way to like have a career in Minnesota and stay here. It's so hard to leave, in my opinion. I know you're younger, right? So you have like the, the passion, the drive, the ambition to like go. And it's so great because I wish I did that when I was younger. I wish, you know, my parents or my family didn't hold me back in some ways from going um, because I definitely would have just went and, and done it when, when I had the energy to like push, <laughs> push for that lifestyle. But luckily enough, I was able to find a career in Minnesota and work for this like green, green tech startup. So um, yeah, I just work on the marketing team, making all the video content. I'm the head of production there. So I do all the marketing video um, campaign videos. I create the videos and I run work with teams to create all the artistic work for it. But um, I also, because <laughs> like once in a while, I'm also an actor. And I, once in a blue moon when they want me on stage. <laughs> I, I'm also an actor. So in some ways it kind of fulfills this job at this company, kind of fills all the roles I want to be. And like, I get to be talent once in a while. So I'm like the voice as well as the director of like visual brand in some ways. That's how I think of it. But yeah, and I've been in that company for like six years. So I've kind of dug my own hole in terms of like, (laughs) it sounds so bad, but I made this job be what I wanted to be. And now they can't get rid of me. It's mine now. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Um, But yeah, I mean, outside of work, you know, like this film was all funded by grants that that I received from the state of Minnesota. So, you know, Minnesota is a great place to be an artist and it, it, it provides a lot of resources for artists especially emerging ones so I don't I I don't know it's hard for me to like leave but yeah this is like where I I grew up went to school and work you know maybe maybe once I get married me and my fiance were thinking (laughs) we were thinking that maybe we do a one year like let's get the fuck out of here so that we can grow and not just be stuck in Minnesota all the time and then come back to have kids (laughs) (laughs) and then and then we'll have kids (laughs) yeah we're thinking about it but god everywhere is so goddamn expensive it is it's very expensive Because I'm trying to not work, you know, I'm trying to like move for a year and be like, all right, Martin, I'm on your money now. You support me. (laughs) I want to do my art. Let me do my art. I'm an artist. I need space. (laughs) I need funding. (laughs) Exactly. You fund me. Give me an allowance. (laughs) 
No, yeah, Minnesota is a great place. I mean, I moved here for a year, and there was just there's opportunities both in theater and film, and you can definitely make a living here. And especially mm-hmm. if your family's here, like my family is also here, um, yeah. which is what makes me like struggle to deal with you know moving to LA and if that's the right decision. But we're going to do that. If you were to move somewhere for a year, where would you want to move? I know you mentioned Hollywood. Yeah, that would be cool to like move to LA. Um, but I don't know if it interests me as much as like East Coast. Uh, we thought about going to like Portland, Maine. It's a small town vibe there in a big kind of big city like area because there's a lot of people. But it would have been really cool to like live in Portland, Maine and have like still a Minnesota vibe, just still very different, but then be able to hop on a train and go to like New York, Boston, Maryland or anything. And in some ways, maybe try doing small theater in that area, too. There's a lot of theater out there, um, but it would have been cool to like get out of Minnesota theater community and like see what it's like on the East Coast. And I mean, we thought about West Coast, but I know there's not a lot of theater in like Seattle oh, yeah. or Portland, Oregon. I mean, there's the Shakespeare. Yeah. Um, Are you a Shakespeare fan? I mean, when it's done more modern, <laughs> like the Black Ensemble Theater did um, A Midsummer's Night's Dream. And oh my God, that just like was amazing. And that like made me see the story a lot more different. But like when older theaters just do it the same way with like new costumes or something, I just like, it doesn't click for me. Yeah. It just doesn't feel like it relates to me anymore. Yeah. Like this tragic romance type of like story. I don't know. It's not like for me. <laughs> I love newer things. I love painful theater too. Yes, we got I, I love to cry and sit there and cry and just like drench <laughs> my mass. Like Cambodian rock fan, I was just my mass was completely drenched in tears. Yeah, that was a hard. Yeah. That was a hard show to to yeah. watch, and I was barely in it. But like listening to to uh, Danielle and Greg go at it, like scene after scene, and it just oh, it's it's hard. <coughs> Get this cough out. <laughs> we'll just amplify the sound on your coughs yeah, so that when people are listening, they'll just hear this. <laughs> Groundbreaking earth Just like pop. pierce their ears. <laughs> Look at me. We haven't even made it to like 30 minutes. I'm already degrading. Degraded. By the end of this, you're just like dust. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Oh my god. Okay, I'm a pop a lot. I'm dying. <laughs> this is tree popping in. Uh, hello. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't say anything all up until now. Just trying to like have y'all have your flow. I was just going to say like for like non-Minnesota, non-Midwest audiences, this is like, this is how we're going to like exaggerate how cold it is here. Paint this caricature. I mean, this existing caricature of Minnesota is like freezing all the time with Kelly, like not <laughs> starting to cough halfway in. But apparently Minnesota is on track to be like, have the most warm winter or like the, the most warm. I don't, I forget how it was phrased. And I got actually looking into this, but like our winters are not getting much warmer, apparently, you know, global warming and all that. So if, if for people who have that stereotype about Minnesota, y'all y'all come here now. If you're, it's not gonna be that cold. Maybe I don't know. Anyways, back hand it back to y'all. <laughs> I didn't know that that the the winter was going to be warmer. That maybe that maybe I'll stay now. I'm, just, I'm <laughs> not gonna stay. <laughs> I gotta go. I gotta go. Yeah, y'all know it's definitely warmer. It's November thirteenth right now, and it would normally be snowing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we have a little but, bit of snow, but like that's barely anything. Yeah, nothing really. I mean, it's still shocking to me that it's still so warm, but all the nature around us like know what's to do. Yeah, like the shit. Yeah, they're 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 just like going to hibernation at the correct time, even though the temperature is still very warm. Technically, I think that's shocking to me that nature just knows what's what to do on the right schedule. That's crazy. Um, but those poor animals, though, they don't. They have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> what is this? I know what's happening. Why stay in Minnesota longer? It's warm. <laughs> yeah. Messes up their whole schedule. It does. Yeah, those poor bears. They don't know what to hibernate. <laughs> Not the bears, the bears, <laughs> yeah. Save the bears. Oh, big strong hashtag bears. Save the bears. <laughs> we'll start. A, we'll start a hashtag chain for this podcast. Yes. <laughs> so back to your um, your your short film. How long did it take you to shoot shoot it? Um, so I got funding for it in early 2021. No, I remember the day. It's actually Jan 6, 2021, of the insurrection. Mm. The money came in right on the day of the insurrection. I'll never forget. <laughs> <laughs> so that's when I got the money, and um. 
Um, I mean, it took me a while to really ramp up, and it wasn't until I got my fellowship at SPNN, the St. The Paul Neighborhood Network, um, where I got more money from them. But it wasn't until I joined that fellowship that's when like it really took off in terms of filming. So that started. Um, uh, when did that start? <laughs> uh, I think it was a whole year later. Yeah, because I was I was working. I got the grant, and it took me a whole year. And then the fellowship started the next year. And it wasn't until this like I compounded it within the last like five six months of the fellowship of just filming, editing, everything, which is really annoying because I tend to work under pressure, which is so stupid. I've had this money for like two years or something, and it still takes me like three to six months to really like jam it all in. Um, but there is a lot of pre-production work and research that went into it. And there was other projects that preceded the film too. But yeah, I think the main like six months of 2022 up until August is when I was like really working on it. Um, filming all of the subjects, all of my family members and all of my um, friends for those little insert interviews. Um, but yeah, and you know, the best part, you know, doing a documentary, you're not, you don't really know the full story yet. And it wasn't until I started doing those individual individual interviews with my friends they started to really paint the picture out um you know they never heard of this like they thought my film was like a cool idea what i was like really um uh, discovering in some ways but when i got them in front of the camera and like started having them tell their stories of how they connected to their last name that really started to like make me see the the ending basically the whole arch of my film because you know it wasn't just about me anymore it's like how does this now story connect with other other people like me and i thought that was really cool that's amazing mm-hmm. to, to, to see like your journey and then just like the interviews and you learning about yourself and learning about your friends and, and giving a voice to them with your project is an amazing thing. Cause I also did like interviews with my family members. And I learned more about my family's history and it's just such a rewarding, but also mm-hmm. like a little bit of a nerve wracking process. Cause you don't know necessarily what they're going to say. And yeah, I mean like growing up in an, in an Asian household, it's, it's at least in my household, it wasn't, we didn't like talk much about, you know, Cambodia or how they got to America and, until I got to like 20 years old and then all these things, you know, started to come out and started to learn more about myself and why my parents are the way they, that they are. So, yeah. yeah. Did, your, did your parents watch Cambodian rock band? They were going to the week that it shut down. Oh. So they, they, we shut down Cambodian rock band a week early because of COVID mm-hmm. and then, yeah, sadly, but they didn't see the recording of it. So what did they, what do you think they, how did they feel about it? They, they, they liked it and they liked that the music was being, you know, shown at a stage in Minnesota mm-hmm. of like, the entire world and also that the story is being told because the story isn't told very often so i think they were they were happy but also like it's hard to revisit that trauma too you know so they didn't watch the whole thing because I, I made sure that not to expose them to certain parts because i don't think oh yeah it was me like protecting exactly. them you know I know exactly what you're talking about yeah yeah um yeah my friend sophia she's in my film actually she talks about it i think um but sophia she talked about how she went to go see that show and she she was like, you know, she, obviously she has her own critiques about the speak, the language being spoken, like, you know. Yeah, it wasn't perfect. Totally, but... wasn't perfect, you know. <laughs> um, but she said, she's like, I would never have my parents come see this. Because <laughs> it's like kind of scary, right? A little traumatic in some parts. Um, so it could be triggering. But yeah, that's how she felt about it too. But she thought it was really good. But she also like uh, would never cry. She's not the type <laughs> to show her emotion. <laughs> I'm also not the type. I, I cry very often. I'm very, not, not very often. I cry very often. So often. I cry yeah. never. But Trey, yeah. you have something to say? Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, on this topic of Cambodian rock band, yeah, I don't even have the really words to, th- to say about, like, what it means to bring your family to, like, a production like Cambodian rock band. I mean, as a Vietnamese person, like, there's countless this and that media narratives about the war, the second Indo-Chinese war, or more commonly known as the Vietnam War. I don't know, yeah, like, to what you're speaking to, Derek, um, how our parents may choose to protect us from these stories or this this era in their lives where they've had firsthand experiences of, like, this thing that 
affected many people, but in different ways, and in a lot of ways, not firsthand, and for them, and what it means for us to like not, uh, have to like struggle to inherit, quote unquote, inherit that uh, memory uh, from them. Shoot, I had like a couple of things. Oh, shoot, <laughs> my brain is like, damn, I, I, I had it. <laughs> and it's gone. Rest in peace. <laughs> and it's gone. The, well, there's one thing that I was going to talk about, but it felt more trivial that I wanted to like leave it for later. Like I had a more important question, but I guess I'll just leave with this less more tr- quote unquote trivial question of like the music, right? Um, the, the music is made by this band called Dengue Fever. And when you look up their, uh, their Wikipedia page, the band was founded by like these two white dudes, these two white brothers back in like the early aughts. And they, they were the last member to be to join the band was the Kamai lead. They were auditioning for like a singer. And, and that's the only time that's when they found a Kamai person to lead the the band and for, so I'm I'm, holding, I'm trying to figure out what t- what kind of editorial I want to write from that um because I, I kind of want to um mm. from from my perspective like as a Vietnamese person who's into music but I just I also had a conversation about like you know people say oh there's not uh, there's no Khmer people on that was in this production besides Derek for like a like a minor, minor role right at the same time like mm-hmm. what you're speaking to we if it's a struggle enough to bring like Khmer people to watch the show perhaps like your parents Derek would it be harder to like find Khmer artists who wouldn't feel who who would have like the the the, the stamina or like the the, the fortitude to perform in a show like this and be okay throughout the run maybe it's fine because like i imagine like my actors who are trained as actors would be able to do that would be able to prepare for that and i'm like that sounds tough um anyways i'll, I'll pause there that's just uh, some thoughts on my brain yeah i, I mean it's so it's so hard because it's cambodia is such a small country already and since we're we are in minnesota the pool of cambodian actors is very small like i've never met another cambodian actor in my entire life besides one other guy who's in new york and i met through like a festival and the show is hard it, i like I couldn't play guitar and I don't play the drums, so I couldn't obviously be, you know, in the Cambodia rock band, but they still, Peter was still gracious and wanted me to be a part of the process. Um, it's, it's, it goes both ways, I think, because, like, Dengue Fever, you know, two white guys, you know, starting out, but also what is their intent? And, it, you know, if they have good intentions of, you know, sharing Cambodian music, then all the power to them because, you know, you can't just leave it. You know, I, you know what I'm trying to say? Like, it's there's, I think it just depends on the person and quick thing i'll plug that I, I think it's hard with that group because i think they started there they were inspired because they like went back, backpacking or hiking in southeast asia as many like white as westerners tourists do they just like oh i'm so inspired by like this this very hot arid exotic like region of the world and then like they bring that back to the americas and then they're like i'm let's try to make money off this um not that that's necessarily their intent but i'm always like leery about that kind of archetype for um for like westerners who bring art back to the states to, to, to like make money off of whether it's through like a, a boutique featuring like south asian southeast asian arts or, or whatever but okay anyways back to y'all yeah ah, man it's so hard i mean this conversation made me think about even further about when my friends who you know don't don't technically really belong i don't want to say they don't belong but like they don't they're not really a part of the art community here in minnesota but they love to consume it right so they'll go to theater shows and a lot of shows by theater moo or go to the guthrie especially when they did Viet Gone. um and so, you know, I feel like this is the same sentiment with a lot of my friends who don't really study the pieces or haven't seen them before, but they're seeing it for the first time on like the Minnesota stage and they feel so weird about it, you know, like, it's like, is this for us kind of question? Um, Cause they never see themselves related. Like they can't relate ever for some reason to the characters on stage, even though it's technically they're Vietnamese or they're Cambodian, um, but they always never feel like it's about, it's like for them or something like that. It's so strange. I mean, besides like, if you can't relate, like, do you even like the story? <laughs> Most questions are like, no, not really. I'm like, what? I don't understand. I don't know. I mean, okay, Viet Gone, you know, like I, I liked it a lot. Um, I thought it was very different um, for what Guthrie would ever produce. So it was fun to see that on stage. It felt pretty like bold to me, you know? Um, but yeah, I could see how my friends who are also Vietnamese, like, they just like didn't see like their mom and dad on stage or really their family on stage or the, the infidelity part of it was like strange for them too. I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't even know how to like talk to them about it. Um, so that it's always like a weird dynamic when I when I 
when I have them go to these type of shows because I, I always fear they'll they'll hate it and I'm like can we just like all love it I don't it's also a hard part as like the Asian community is like you feel like you have to like love everything that's being produced because there's not many things being produced um, and you feel bad critiquing it but you can't help yourself also I don't know this is hard hard topic I guess for listeners there is a chat running and I've been using it um where Derek has said oh Tria said in the chat this thing so y- as long as y'all say I'm saying in the chat I just didn't want to like interrupt y'all as I put the chat in so uh, Kelly if you want to just pick it up that's fine Okay, so yeah, Tree said in the chat, um, how, or he's asking me, how did they describe their dislike of the story? I could probably guess, but good to hear. Um, I mean, okay, so I mean, some of the, I could just probably remember verbatim, like some of the comments. And one comment was like, uh, the the characters in the story seem to be very brash, like brash, um, just like crude and brash and just loud, you know? And they just didn't see that type of personality in their family ever. Um, which I think it's, which is, I don't know, in my mind, it's like, really? Your parents weren't like big, bold, you know, just like, this is, this is, the characters on stage are very young. They're like 20 something. And the parents, you know, now are like old, they're like 60, 70. Um, and so, I mean, in my mind, I'm like, yeah, of course your parents aren't like that right now, but before they had you, before, you know, they're going through this whole hardship of life, you like, you don't think they had loud voices and like said what they wanted to say. Um, I thought that was interesting. Um, cause in my mind, I'm like, I don't know, like, are your parents actually that like quiet? But that was like one thing. It was very particular to me. I'm just like, really? <laughs> like that was that's what's that's what calling you to stop and like say like, y'all, this this is not for me, <laughs> you know? Um, uh, another person didn't like the idea that um, the storyline was centered around like kind of like infidelity. You know, like he has a wife and kids back in Vietnam, and he's um, choosing to sleep with the main the main character, the girl, um, Tong, right? It's her name. Yeah, I think uh, Tong or Thumb. I I forget, but either way, it's fine. Yeah. Yeah, um, but yeah, like they couldn't get over that. So they were kind of like mad that the story is being written about Vietnamese people that made them seem like not in a good light. Um, and I also, I don't think they could get over the the language being used. Just like how, you know, they're, they're Vietnamese, they're speaking Vietnamese, right? On stage, but it's like English, fluent English. And then the white people are speaking this like gibberish, <laughs> bogus English. I thought, that was funny, <laughs> yeah. I thought that was so great. I love the way they showed it and stuff. But yeah, um, and they didn't they didn't like that because the, the, the fluent Vietnamese english that they were like speaking felt like wrong to them like that's not how my parents would talk yeah i don't know <laughs> i'm not i'm not vietnamese but i felt like i saw a lot of like my family in that show too um i can see their 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 critiques about it um oh one critique they said was that my parents never want to go back to vietnam and they felt like that was a big part of the story is that they want to get back to vietnam they want to go back and i'm like yeah but these characters got like whisked away got taken away basically like that's how it kind of started where maybe like your parents in particular for their example their parents like left right before the war so they made the choice to leave and of course they don't want to go back and they chose to leave that's like so it was hard for me because like i don't feel like they were looking at it in a broader idea of the story of the the characters itself like on stage they just try to keep relating it back to themselves so that, that puts me in a dilemma like okay well if the audience can't relate to your story like then you know are they are they going to like it if if like parts of the audience can't relate then is it good enough you know yeah sometimes i get asked that question a lot about my films like who's your audience kelly i'm like i don't know <laughs> i don't know i think i want everybody to watch it but this those are the critiques i don't i don't know i have no idea i don't know how i feel but i'm very in the middle um kelly if you could go to, i ask this to every like filmmaker that we do a podcast with um if you could go back to like your younger self and give her some advice like your younger artist what would you give her so hard because I feel like I lived my life pretty, like I, I I took a lot of risks and I I did things that always put me out of my comfort zone. So it's hard for me to say like, just go for it or something like that. But I mean, I mean, I guess like I should have just like went 
and tried and moved to a different state you know like even for college like i should have just went to columbia in in chicago or something like that or or a different art school or something just to get myself out of minnesota because i think that's where i felt the detriment to me as an artist is that i stayed at my college you know those students my classmates didn't push me to be a better artist you know that's the whole point being like, when you're in that space like it's uh, like a healthy competitive environment you're always trying to i mean i guess one up each other but you know having having those good core like classmates to really push your art and i didn't have that you know i felt like the students at my college lacked ambition to push themselves um and i just felt like they were they were just doing what they did what they could do to pass so that, i guess that's my one thing i would give myself advice back 18 year old kelly like just go for it don't don't have mom and dad um like put you into like this fear that Chicago is a scary place or that LA is a scary place because they thought Minneapolis was scary even though we lived in Brooklyn Park so like like 20 minutes from Minneapolis <laughs> oh my gosh yeah so that's what stopped me from going to like an out-of-state school was because my mom and dad were like it's too scary don't leave and I'm like I could have definitely handled myself and I and I definitely would have grown a lot more you know as a human being as an adult and my art would have been who knows where it would have been but I do know that I probably would have stuck in documentary yeah, that's the advice. <laughs> I love that. We're afraid of Minneapolis, but we live in Brooklyn Park. <laughs> I know. It's basically Minneapolis and Brooklyn Park. What the hell? It's so dumb. <laughs> well, thank you for sharing that. I I also agree. Um, just growing up in, in an Asian household, you, you feel that pressure or that fear of your parents, and you can't help but have it affect your decisions and how you feel. Because throughout all of college, I thought about changing my major. Like I don't even know how many times. And I actually did, because my parents would always would say, how are you going to make money doing that? How are you going to, you know, succeed? And even if yep. they weren't saying yeah. that, they would always um, offer like, what's your plan B? What is your backup? And part of me appreciates that because, you know, yeah. that cautious behavior is what, you know, got them through Cambodia and, and has, what has gotten them uh, to where they are. Exactly. But also there comes a point, at least for artists, I think you have to, you have to trust your own fire or ambition, and, you know, go after it. So. Yeah, exactly. And how old are you? If you don't mind me asking. Yeah, I'm 28. Oh, you're young. You got all the time in the world. I know. No, so I feel better about it um, when I think about where I am in my career. I'm yeah. like, I'm so young. What the fuck? Yeah. Um, but I won't be young if I have kids in like three years. <laughs> oh, I'm like, oh, okay. We're really old after that. <laughs> kids are a commitment. Kids are. Yes. You know, I just want to talk more about what you're saying about your parents. And, um, you know, I talk about this too. While I was making this film, it, I reflected on it a lot. It's just like, wow, the privilege I have to even have time, space, and safety to reflect on who I am and make a movie about it. <laughs> where they're over here escaping the war, just making money for like $5 an hour, you know, and having a home and like surviving, you know, they had, they had no time to reflect on who they are or what impact they have on the world or something like that. And I'm over here putting them in front of a camera, like face talk, watching <laughs> <laughs> them now. And so it's, it's so interesting because I, I, I struggle through that too. Sometimes I'm like, man, yeah. I mean, this is what they fought for, right? They came to America to have this life for us. And my mom decided to stay in America. She just came to visit my aunts, but she decided to stay because she realized like, you know, this will benefit her future and her kids' future. Um, and then married my dad for that. And, you know, not even in love, just because she saw that her future would be better if she stayed here. I mean, and she made a really good investment by marrying my dad in some ways. because <laughs> She chose right. <laughs> yeah. My dad is not rich, but what caused her to become rich in some ways is that she invested the money she made in America and sent it back to Laos and her family was very poor. She talks about how she like split one egg between four people. 
Um, and she like slept on the dirt, you know, you know, typical uh, Lao refugee story, immigrant story. <laughs> Um, but, um, but, you know, the stuff that makes she makes me guilty about but anyways she she sent money back to laos and with that money and investment into her family my family in laos was able to grow like a business and like a mini empire for themselves um yeah like you have to believe me when i say it's crazy rich asians over there for my i was just about to say the minute you said empire i'm like crazy rich asians it's <laughs> insane like i'm poor as fuck over here you know <laughs> give me something I'm over th- i go there and they have like like I don't want to say servants because like but they do you know they have people like cooking for them and I, I wake up in the morning and then like they'll make me food I don't even have to ask they have a driver <laughs> yeah that's crazy what are you doing in Minnesota go there <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I wish I was fluent that's why I wish my uncle he just bought a private jet so that's like the level of rich oh okay <laughs> great what in the heck yeah he owns a private jet because he's like he has a construction company um that's his company so he's building a lot of stuff all over the country so he needs to like fly to his locations instead of drive and that that means definitely more efficient for his business but goddamn i see like my cousins like my his kids and my aunt and uncle's kids um and i'm like damn what the fuck you guys just living the life on the private jet just living life going to college and spending money that you did not make and i'm like wow the life i just want to be a princess <laughs> just like- screw being an artist let's be a princess why am I an artist? God, sometimes, sometimes though, I wonder, like, why did I do this to myself? Why could I do anything else? <laughs> Gosh, I relate to your story so much because I always get those those immigrant stories too about like the the one bowl and like four spoons, four people, and also <laughs> just the guilt trip in. And uh, I relate to you a whole time, right? And as, <laughs> yeah, and as like a a grumpy, rebellious teenager, and you just yell back. And I'm like, isn't this what you came here for? Like, why are you yelling at me? You gave me this life. <laughs> Middle school and high school was a trap. We pulled out some some dark insults, and we went through some through some shit. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, I have to say, like, but you know, like time away from them makes you really appreciate what they've given you as their as your parents. You know, like I I don't think I would have ever became my mom's friend until I really, you know, broke up with my boyfriend, got a tattoo, and moved the fuck out all in one week. <laughs> I was like, I'm out of here. It was like 22 year old me. And then I an apartment in Uptown and and then doing so, like that created like a really great relationship with my mom, even though she was like hurting inside. <laughs> yeah. I feel like you, you have to move away and you have to be on your own in order yeah. to, to find that love. Cause I felt the same way. I know my sisters felt the same way. They, they fought all the time with my parents, but the mm-hmm. minute they moved away, they just got so much closer. Cause you know, I think being on your own, it gives you time and space and an environment to be by yourself, but also realize who got you there. And yeah. I feel like as an artist, it gives you ambition too. Cause like, wow, mm-hmm. my parents had to do this and I have this opportunity. Um, no way am I going to waste it. You know, I'm going to go for it. Right. Exactly. And if filmmaking is your dream and acting is my dream, it's a waste if we don't go after our dreams, you know? So if your cousins are living on that jet, having a great time, but you're chasing your dream. So I'm supporting you. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Yeah. Hell yeah. Thank you. Uh, Tree, you had something to say? Yes, man. This whole story is so wild. Um, But I I imagine, like you said, Kelly, the private jet is just for your uncle to be able to like bob around Laos mm-hmm. uh, more more like uh swiftly so it's just it's not like a family thing like oh yeah g- get all the kids we're gonna yeah. go over to like i don't know france or luxembourg yeah, exactly. in our, in our jet. and all this started with your mom sending them like seed funding yeah. which is basically like a venture capital uh not a venture, just like a seed funder for for that all that started with that yeah like my mom was it had caused a strife between her and my dad because my dad just felt like you're just taking money away from us as a family you know but my mom really believed in my, her family so she would pay for you know sending the money to like buy them a house like to build a house um and then send money to my uncle so they can go to school so it was just like money like that and then from that money they took and ran and built this whole company you know it, it was only a little bit right it's probably in retrospect only like probably twenty thousand in total um and maybe more but in my mind like that's how much it really takes to like build a house and go to school back in the day 
but yeah and then from there you know my uncles and my parents and her grandparents weren't going to like waste that time and money that she's sending back and they just you know both the grandparents my mom's parents have their own farm too and you know it's just just that little bit of funding my mom gave and then that trajectory of my uncle's life like creating their construction company and then bringing more money into the family you just like really had them explode yeah I don't, I don't think I really saw the explosion until like 20 2015 you know back in like 2009 when I visited them they seemed very humbled family <laughs> and, I mean also lucky for my uncles they also married like like rich too so like they, the, the, the in-laws the wives were also were coming from money so everything kind of compounded with on each other too but, you know, those, those women would not have married my uncles if they didn't have money. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, there's, there's totally crazy stories to that though. Like just, I don't want to like dish out my whole family, like <laughs> Pandora's box, but it's like beyond insane. Just like, it is like, it gives me mafia vibes and like maybe rich Asian vibes. It's just like, they do some great, they do stuff differently out there. <laughs> I want to see a movie about your family's life now. Like I'm sitting here listening to the story on the edge of my seat and I, I, I want to see a film on your family's story. It's, it's like, wild. And I can't, I can't say it while being recorded. I'm going to tell you guys afterwards. Oh, <laughs> it's wild. Yeah, it's crazy shit. <laughs> like, sorry, listeners. Yeah, this is, yep, just for us. Just for sorry. us. Sorry. <laughs> Got to be in this circle first. <laughs> Join the circle. Yeah. <laughs> Yesterday, uh, Derek and I interviewed or, or had a conversation with um, with Joey or Chantason. Again, listeners, I'm not Lao, so I'm not going to pretend like I can pronounce it right. But like Chantason, who uh, nicknamed Joey and Cypasu, who goes also by Dom. And they were, Dom especially was speaking to uh, both based in Vincent Lao. Mm-hmm. And one one thing that he talked about was, how do you say it? He, he, you know, he wants to make a story about himself or make a story about like what it means to live in like a, you know, the everyday life of wanting to become an artist. And, and both both these, all the, all the Lao film artists who submitted to us are based in Vincent going to like an, uh, an art college right now they're around their the 21 it's interesting to hear from their perspective from like you know we are here being Asian Americans right I asked them this question of like what how we in the states we think of ourselves as Asian in addition to being like Lao Chinese Khmer Viet um, whereas over there it's like we're just Lao we're, we're not I mean it's cool to be Asian they said though there's no real pressure to like come be a part of like this larger Asian idea because there might be that pressure for us to be here in the States because there's so few, so much fewer of us, but like, they, they just want to like be Lao. They want to like make film films that are about their Lao experience or whatever. And then like have audiences around the world, see that without them feeling like they have to also be like Asian necessarily as at least that's how I interpret it. And I wonder, I don't know if there's a question behind that. I'm still also, yeah, I don't know. I, 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 yeah, go ahead. Yeah. That's exactly how I felt too. When I was starting to come up, it's like, I don't want to be Asian American, you know? I was like, can I just make the stuff I want to make? Like, I'm not trying to make it for this this group. Like, why isn't my art just American? Like, why is it, why am I Asian American? Why do I have to even say I'm Lao Chinese American? So, yeah, they're they're in a society or a group, a group of artists where they could just create Lao art, just their art. Um, and maybe, yeah, there's some, it's just kind of weird. It's kind of strict. They are Asian, right? They are Lao. But maybe even the art that I'm doing as a Lao American wouldn't even resonate with them. They would never feel not Lao enough, you know? <laughs> Their last name is just is. That's like, you know, a marker of who they are already. And I, they, they probably never questioned it. And yeah, so in, in some ways, that's like a privilege that they have too. That they could just create great art in Laos. Um, I'm sure it's difficult there. I'm sure like it's harder for them in some ways too because maybe creating art isn't as like, I don't know. I mean, from based on your conversation, do you think it's harder for them to create art in that space? Like, you think they get a lot of support? 
yeah, it's definitely a definitely a struggle in the sense of, I mean, we definitely don't see any Lao movies. We bear, they they talked about Dom talked about how like either it's Chinese films and media or Thai film and media, mm-hmm. and even like for us Asians in the states, we don't even know much about like Thai films and media, uh, film and media. But they, because their language is similar to Thai in some ways, they can understand Thai people. But they know that Thai people won't care or like understand Lao film. So it's like for you, how you feel these Lao film artists might might not resonate with you as like a Lao American. They feel like they like Thai people won't feel so. So like it's a lot of different things like that. Like there's always they're not in like a major industry, a country with like a major film media industry to like support them or like even an audience around them to support their their more indie films because like you know these Marvel movies being exported out of Hollywood, like they get subtitled and that's enough for most people. It's just like uh, a break from the the struggles of daily living, the cost of living in smaller country like Laos but you know here the trade-off is yeah we don't have that like very secure identity but look at all this money that we can send back to our our family to like so that they can like build whatever maybe like send their kids to art school over there and those some thoughts it would be interesting um I haven't been to Laos in a while but yeah last time I was there I met with um the head of this new he called the new waves Laos cinema um but basically he's creating like a production company kind of like an agency creating his, uh, all of his government and commercial work was funding all of his passion in indie films. Um, but it was just so cool to talk to him and see the stuff that he's creating because he also like works with the university to bring um, Lao filmmakers up. But yeah, it would be really cool to visit back there again and see the stuff they're doing because it looks legit. I've seen a lot of posts from him and um, they're going somewhere and there's this Lao filmmaker there right now. I forget her name. I think it's Maddie. Man- Mandy or Maddie? But she does Lao horror uh, she based in... Is she based in New City? New, not New City, New York City. Oh wait, no. No, That's she's um, in Indian John. She's I think she's Australian, um, and she moved to Laos. <laughs> Might be misremembering everything here, <laughs> but yeah, she's um she's been in film festivals, international film festivals, like in Europe. I think she went to Cannes, but yeah, she's been making like Lao horror films because you know Thai horror films are pretty big, and they are still very big. And now she's coming up with her own. So yeah, there's big things happening there. It would be nice to go and um, be a part of it too. Yeah, hope you have that opportunity. It's very cool that, to to hear that there is. It seems to be some some artists that are, are are building those roads for for other artists too to see it's possible. Briefly circling back to the uh, the story about your your mom, how like just a basic income, what sounds like a very like you know regular person income in the U.S. can can uh, accelerate something like that, or or like help help plant a seed for for that kind of um, economic growth for a family. And hmm, I feel like all my all my <laughs> questions right now are just like I, I have the, I have the seed planted, but it refuses to grow for some reason in my brain. Big thoughts. It's pretty amazing, right? How like one dollar in the U.S. could buy you a candy bar, but it could like build a house, you know, somewhere else. It's, I mean, I guess the power of capitalism and the U.S. dollar, but <laughs> it is amazing what you can do for so little in Laos and take it and be someone so big. Um, and maybe that's like the American dream in some ways, right? You you come here. My mom has made a name for herself here too. And um, she's pretty a lively woman. She's known by everyone, so that's why my wedding's gonna be humongous. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, in some ways, you know, my mom took her American investment dream here and brought it back to Laos. And I mean, it's like the it's like the story of the American dream. Like you went from nothing to something, which is working really hard, and that's what they did. Do you believe? Sorry, I have this question now. That you just said the American dream, but do you believe that the American dream still exists and that you can work as hard as you can and still can achieve what you want to achieve? Oh man. I don't know. <laughs> I, don't know. <laughs> I mean, for me, sometimes I feel like it's luck in some ways, but everybody that I say that to are always like, no way, Kelly, you work so hard. I mean, yeah, a little bit of luck, but it, if you didn't work as hard as you did, you would still not be where you are now in some ways. Um, I mean, if you just keep pursuing the things you love with like passion and like a hundred percent, like worth ethic and energy, I feel like you'll always achieve what you dream of. 
um, I mean, when I think of the American dream, uh, I mean, it's definitely not real for a lot of people. But in terms of just, I don't know if this is the American dream anymore, but I think it's about just <laughs> focusing your energy, focusing your mind and like passions onto something you really, really love. It's going to always re reward you in the end. This is giving me like horoscope vibes right now, what I'm saying, but. <laughs> What's your star sign? <laughs> I'm a Gemini. <laughs> Obviously. Very creative. <laughs> well, what's your big three, Kelly? So your sun's your Gemini. Oh, yeah. Uh, so Gemini, um, sun, moon, Pisces, rising Taurus. Which, like, really makes sense to me. I can see it from yeah. the short yeah. times I've met with you. Yeah, I can see it. Yeah, I mean, my rising Taurus. I don't know. I don't, I, don't, I don't think I portray Taurus. But, I mean, hardworking, grounded individual. I definitely see that. Pisces, you know, I think of them very, like, emotional, talkative. Uh, sensitive um signs and that's like my moon sign and I'm, I'm definitely like soft on the inside people always think that i'm very like hard tough and stoic like, even my fiance still thinks i'm not soft on the inside which is like really offensive I'm like don't you see me crying i cry <laughs> these tears are real <laughs> these are real emotions <laughs> yeah gemini you know i always seem flighty impulsive in some ways like i'm always taking risks doing something you know 2018 is when i decided to become an actress a theater actress i was like i just i want to do it. it's always been my pipe dream and then i went and auditioned um for theater moo and i got in and then from there just like went on this whole trajectory of like maybe i'm going to be a theater artist but also like i want to do it all in some ways <laughs> yeah those are my star signs what's yours i am a leo and i just googled leo and gemini's are great personality fits and are good for oh yeah, i love my leo i love leo so much that's why we just vibe so quick yeah. <laughs> amazing <laughs> yes i love fire signs they're my they're my pals <laughs> let's go start a fire <laughs> yeah <laughs> That's some Aries energy right there. Uh, what about you, Tree? Do you know your rising? And moon? Oh, uh, my rising is um, Capricorn, and my moon is Cancer. Oh. So I think like I'm like empathetic or something. I come off that way. Easy to talk to. Well, your relationship to your emotions is like that's the Cancer. That's like that uh, empathetic maternal energy. I, but but we can get into that. But then like I think you show up in a very like hardworking, hardworking, achievement oriented way. Is the Capricorn? You guys know more than I do about myself. I see. <laughs> I had no idea what Capricorn meant, so I was like, yeah. <laughs> what about you, Tree? Well, when, we, when I said those adjectives. Oh, oh, sure. But quickly, when I said those adjectives, do you feel like, oh, you got me type thing? Like how people perceive you? I think so. Yeah. I mean, I believe in horoscopes to an extent. Um, mm -hmm. but, you know, like part of me was like, oh, yeah, I resonate with that. But I also feel like you can choose what you, you can, you know, be mm -hmm. and resonate with. But yeah, I, I think myself as a hardworking achiever too. So yeah. Very cool. Okay. Now I'll answer your question. Um, my rising is Gemini. So there's, there's that kind of like, uh -huh. I, I resonate with what you're speaking to, Kelly. Yeah. My moon is Scorpio. Very... <laughs> we're yes. all moon, water moons <laughs> yeah we're all the three different water moons that's wild yeah such emotional energy yeah. here on this podcast everyone mm -hmm. <laughs> and then my son i let my son last because like i'm on the cusp and my partner doesn't believe in cusp most people most serious astrologers don't believe in cusp i guess but uh on paper <laughs> is what they say uh maybe i opened up a, a whole thing but <laughs> i uh on paper i'm scorpio born in vietnam born in ho chi minh city um but i have a lot of sag placements in my chart so no no 22nd is like I guess between Scorpio, Sag, and Sag energy, I think so. Wow, I also love Scorpios. My best friends are Leo and Scorpios, and I feel like Gemini's is both work really well with Scorpio and Leo. What's always the past? I think so. I mean, for Scorpios, I mean, it could be tough for me as a Gemini being like pretty like um, forward in some ways, uh, and like kind of like I feel like my heart's always out and like genuine, so I never know where Scorpios are at. Sometimes I'm like. <laughs> How do you feel right now? Like, are you being private, secretive? <laughs> do you need some time? <laughs> what's, your, what's your intentions? Like, kind of like that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. We should use this because it feels so dumb to me to talk about it. I'm like, 
I'm not taking any no, this, is, this is great. This is a great band. I always talk about astrology in most of the podcasts. No. no. We've become those people. What do you know? Oh, yeah. those people. I am that people. I'm the one that will send people horoscopes on their birthdays. <laughs> and then just their birthdays? Yeah, just, just their, birthdays. their birthdays. Yeah, only their birthdays. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, except except my my friend was going through a lot of emotional like just like stuff in her head, and so she was feeling really weird. And then I looked up her horoscope for the day, the day of the blood moon. I'm like, this is why you feel off. And she was like feeling like off, and her horoscope said that like emotionally it was like tension. So like, just like for this day, live your life. Uh, just like give more grace to the people around you because you could snap. <laughs> That's what it was giving me, and she felt it being so real. So yeah. Do you use co-star? Yes, I do use co-star. <laughs> Oh my gosh. We don't want to do this as a podcast. I'm divulging this. Past seven minutes. Horoscope. <laughs> yeah, what's our everything? Yeah. Y'all. In my I did several episodes. Uh, I produced podcasts for Seed last year, and each episode I did like or many of them, there's like at least five minutes, five, ten minutes of, of astrology talk. So don't come on. I don't know what the what the um, issue, issue is right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right, you're right. It's a good answer. You're right. It's very personable. Come yes, on. it's true. It's true. Um, Let's see. I'm gonna briefly circle back to the um, Cambodian rock band and the and the kind of critiques that your the people you said your friends or who how are these people related to you? Okay, your friends. Okay. Yeah. And mm-hmm. yeah, I I also see that difference. Do you know if these friends were like 1.5 gen? Like how uh, how many generations have they been in the states? Yeah, yeah, first generation. So their parents came from Cambodia and Vietnam. Mm-hmm. So they were born here. Let me know how you feel about this, but I feel like in a lot of Asian centric media nowadays, like commercial story commercial narrative media or just like what what i just mean is tv tvs and movies that are that are based in like story uh, like like whatever stories i see a lot of characters like older asian characters who are like really like brash as mentioned earlier and kind of like they're just like more out there out loud and proud have y'all noticed this i feel like this is a thing yeah i think so i don't think they're i mean 100 percent taking from their real life of like parents talking in that way but i think these writers are trying to create this new idea of what asian is in the media they're trying to be bold and make the choice that we're not just like meek submissive like characters so they go maybe they go on the extreme end and make us this loud lively with attitude profanity like spewing out like characters just to go against the grain to make audience uncomfortable in some ways um and i mean that's like what you want i think as an artist like you kind of want your audience to respond pretty big i don't know for me like viscerally respond I mean, that's always been my goal, too, as an artist, is that I really like to make some people feel uncomfortable because then I'm doing something right in making you guys feel something. And it's not just, like, derivative stuff that I'm creating, you know? It's something new. Um, so maybe that's, like, where it's coming from. I don't know. But, I mean, my mom my mom is like that, though. Like, and gone, like, she's exactly like that. So it's, it's, it's like, I see it. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, I, I can see lots of characters, yeah, with age. I want, in their younger versions, and even in their current old, uh, older older selves that they there's not a shortage of our immigrant parents who are like more more lively more bold in that way though what you're saying too is like sometimes ex- exaggerate like we, I, i'm seeing this pattern of like this, these exaggerated older asian adults and i think yeah it, it is a choice to make people feel to affect people in that way and i wonder like what for the for the friends who critiqued it being like not real like does it ha- in, in this realm of like making commercial art is it better to have that focus on like make make the characters make the audience feel something it's not about making it real but just to feel and it doesn't always have to be like what's this, this trauma or misery porn quote unquote yeah. that like us asians seem to be stuck with oh we're from a war that means we're always crying always like s- splitting an egg into four and like well, what's that mean for us to like uh lean more into into that uh creative choice for for the characters that we might make but maybe you already answered that when you said the the, the what does that mean is that like causes us to feel differently about how we perceive these people who look, might look like this or have these customs and values but um yeah 
yeah i don't know i mean i always think about the writer in those situations too like yeah what is what's the art that they're really trying to make and who is it for and maybe they did, did it right by making my friends feel uncomfortable like this is not my family you know <laughs> maybe, maybe that was the right. yeah. <laughs> this is the correct response i guess i don't know yeah i always feel so defensive when like my friends get so critical about the art that's like we see for the first time on stage you know because i'm just like oh my god why are you so critical like like um because it's like they don't ever do this like guthrie would never have done the show like that really you know it's pretty boring at the guthrie to be honest and uh, was, like, <laughs> the most fun it was the most fun i've had in a long time it would be like, <laughs> yeah i'm like i'm so bored of the guthrie shows <laughs> yeah um because uh, they do really great marketing and i think the shows are gonna be really good and i go and i'm like oh my god why are we here <laughs> that's, sometimes that's how it feels too bad with like COVID still kind of lingering around because I don't know if Yagan got enough audiences that it like needed, you know, and deserved, especially in the Asian community. I mean, Guthrie was not doing a great job with marketing to the Asian community. So I don't think he got the correct audience that should have been watching it and seeing Asian people on stage doing fun, crazy shit. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, there's an argument to be made about, you know, Asians are not all the same just because it's like the, the, the idea again, like we're Asian American, but that we only do that because like, that's how we, what's the word better with bigger numbers or whatever. You, you get the idea just because we're yeah. marketing to like, mm-hmm. let's see the Hmong population around here, so to speak, or the Karen population doesn't mean they're going to want to watch a Viet show with like these brash characters. The next thing I'm going to say probably is a conversation better held with like a, more Hmong people around. But I think about like how the Hmong folks in the States, they feel strongly Hmong. I don't think they feel there's like a strong, like need to feel like Southeast Asian American or Asian American. Like they have a stronger ethnic enclave around here. So they don't need to be like, oh, we need to be represented by other Asians necessarily. And, and for like another other Asian groups, it feels like there aren't enough of us besides Hmong people. So like, even if there was marketing, I don't know if they would have come out to see like Vietcon, maybe. Mm, yeah, I, I understand that feeling. Um, I, I see that um, a lot. I, I do get jealous of the Hmong community here in Minnesota because they have so many people with a lot of support and resources. So they're able to do a lot of things with each other and see each other. Um, that's really great in their community. And sometimes I get jealous because I wish it was the same for like Lao community here in Minnesota. There's a lot of us, but we're so isolated away from each other in some ways. And so we don't get to come together in an artistic form or something like that. Or maybe there are more Lao artists out there, but I have no idea, you know, where are they? Yeah, I think I'm on the same thread right now with you. <laughs> Definitely you are. Thank you. So yeah, that's it's a very hard thing to like name out loud. Definitely to be kind of like have that reflected back to you as you say it and be like, oh shit. Also, we can uh, we can swear on this podcast. Just I, I forgot if I should like mention that in the front of things. Oh, great! Because I've been I have not been censoring myself, and that's great. Yeah, no censorship here. There's a lot of stuff that we can talk about, and I at the same. Although I think like the stuff that we talked about so far and what you've shared so far, Kelly, has been very good, and I hope like for, for listeners that as for all the conversations that we've we've had and will continue to have, uh, that for Southeast Asians, these conversations help people not necessarily just rethink like their relationship to the idea of Southeast Asia or their ethnicity. But also like how we relate to something like media and our seeing ourselves in media and seeing ourselves and making it, viewing it, demanding for it. Like it's not as easy as just saying like we want more of it. There's a lot of stuff that goes into like having more of it and who funds that and who how how we and, and like the people you're gonna like talk to to be like how are you gonna make money off of this and and uh, blah 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 blah. Is it gonna be only white people who watch this <laughs> and, and stuff like that? Mm-hmm. So conversations like these, yeah. Mm-hmm. So film isn't just about the film; it's about all the stuff around it, um, including like the very the hard stories yeah. and, and the funny, wild, crazy, rich Asian stories yeah. <laughs> that, that, that around, that around it. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> yes. The whole story of who is creating the art and everything that affects it. That's right, that's right. Uh, I'll hand it back to Derek. We can start to close out here. I think we have one more question, just like a nice closing 
yes, question. Yes, we do. Our, we also ask this to, um, this is our last question we ask to all of our filmmakers, is if you had all the money, resources, support in the world, what artistic endeavor or film would you want to create? It could be two or three. It doesn't have to be like one thing. Mm, all the money in the world? Let's say a million. I mean, let's let's as, give a little bit of cap, a, just a little cap. Like yeah. a million. Oh, yeah, one million. Yeah, that's nothing. <laughs> okay, five million. Um, okay, okay. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I mean, the story that I would love to put on camera in a very exploitive manner is to tell the story of my family in Laos, the crazy rich Asian like family, like kind of like do <laughs> a reality show. Up. But like, yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. All the drama and everything, but that would obviously look really bad for them and they would never do that. But as like the sleazy maybe filmmaker I would want to be or something like that, I would like tell their story. It's freaking wild. But all I can do now is just say <laughs> things word of mouth. So oh, you're gonna tell us after this. But yeah, like that story. Yeah, yeah, Sorry, once we once again. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Sorry, but yeah, that's the story I would do. Um, that's like one. I've always talked about it, but I know that would never happen because I couldn't. I'm too scared. Of my goals. Like, no way, I can't do it. Um, but the other thing too, it it would be to branch off this film, my borrowed name, and do a series of smaller stories of um, of all kinds of immigrants, European, African, Asian immigrants that all has this, have all related to the story. I think there's always a story in all immigrants where they had to change their name in some form. Um. You know, in Native Americans, you know, when they anglicized their names, they, you know, they had to write it down in the English way, which is like not a full representation of what their name is. And that was interesting when I screened this film at SPNN, like uh, a Native um, American member came up and like talked to me about it and how it resonated with her because it's so true. You know, it just feels like your name is being stripped away and like written down as something else. It's like not really like your name. It doesn't actually really connect to you. Um, so she thought it was a very important story. She was like half native, half like, I think Puerto Rican or something. Um, but she said that it really related to her on both sides. And so I've been getting conversations after the screening of people of all color telling me about how like, oh, wow, this is like the same story as my parents or this is what like they had to do. So in the film, I speak to one of the church members when I was getting the documents and he, his family's from Sweden and they had to do the exact same thing. They had to change their name um, to when they got to America. Um, and in some ways, a story is also like to make it easier on Americans to say their name, to make them more comfortable, you know? So, yeah, I'm trying to like tell those stories. Um, and I didn't realize that it would be so broad, like that it would affect so many people. So if I had all the money, I would definitely create like kind of like this uh, anthology series of people changing their names and what that means to them and how that changes their views on who they are or not, you know? Yeah, it could go, it can go a lot more. I feel like I can go a lot deeper with this series. And that might be closer in the actual future than I think, you know? Like, I don't think it's a total crazy dream. I don't know. I definitely wouldn't be, like, an action filmmaker. <laughs> like, I'm not doing that shit. <laughs> yeah, hearing you talk about it right now, just how passionate you are about it, and you have so much mission and vision for it already, I, I know it's going to happen already, and I can't wait to watch it. Yeah, thank you. Well I would encourage you to make an action movie where it's like someone's like uh, someone's like fighting to get their name back. I have to fight the big boss who stole my name. Final epic battle. You're gonna give me yeah. back the name. I feel like that is a lot of films already. It's like I <laughs> like Princess Bride. You know, like if I killed your killed your father or you killed my father. So I don't know what it is, but yeah, it's something like that. Or the last I don't know if you guys watch like Vikings like TV shows, The Last Kingdom on Netflix. Like he literally is fighting <laughs> for his name. What? That's crazy. <laughs> I have to watch that. It's always the same. I'm Uhtred of Bevanburg or something like that and he's constantly <laughs> fighting about his name like on the on the mission of starting wars to claim his name back you know land and name it's like his whole thing the story about like your your, your family and or your extended family in laos of like there there are a lot of shows like that right now like there's bling empire there's a uh, house of ho 
which is like a Vietnamese, yeah, yes. <laughs> the, uh, the Vietnamese version of that. Um, there's like mm-hmm. Indian, there's Indian one. There's like an African, like a- African rich, mm-hmm. like wealthy bougie people. Like this would this would be a part of that series. Yeah. Like I'm sure people would want to be. Like, what do bougie people in like like le- like other countries? Yeah, if not my uncles, at least their children, right? <laughs> you should, should push this to Netflix and be like, you know, you have you have Bling Empire, you have like Dubai Bling or something like that. But like, how about Love Love? that? Should be the title of the show, Love Bling. <laughs> Bling Love. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, loud bling, <laughs> or like the buy bling or something. I don't know. Like, there's these rich kids who come from their mom and dad's money, and they just live in life. <laughs> I don't even know what drama they would bring. It would just be them like not having money or something, and like oh my God, and people would still this. watch it. know. <laughs> 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 oh my gosh! All right, I'll keep that in the back of my mind. I really want to sell out, and go into reality TV. <laughs> That's where the money's at. Well, let's. If you're able to secure that contract, uh, you, maybe we can uh, rope in the, the film artist that we've had uh, for Seed be part of the creative uh, process. And then like you can hire, hire local oh, yeah. artists. I'll act in it. <laughs> be the voiceover, Derek. <laughs> the, the narrator. Yes. This Justin. Sally can't afford a purse. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, you would be like, you would be like the Kevin in like Bling Empire and like go and like experience all these rich people things. And yes. you're just like, what? Yeah. Sign me up. Confused third party just coming in being like, ugh. <laughs> Anyways. Um all right. I think that's it. Derek, close this off. And so we can hear about Kelly's story after after we close off. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, thank you for listening, listeners, to this is Muffin Talk episode four with Kelly. And it's such an honor to speak to you today. And I hope to see what you do next. And I wish you luck in the cities here. Thank you. Yeah, it was great to talk with you guys. This is really fun. The most fun I've ever had during a podcast. And I've only done two. This is my second one. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we got the top spot. <laughs> uh, Tree, anything last minute thing? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was going to be like, I can't wait for Kelly to have another podcast episode where she's like, yeah, this this one's better. This one's even better than the last. Just, just We're just a stepping stone on Kelly's career. <laughs> Which is fine. That's cool. That's what we wanted to hear to, to support y'all. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for being on this journey. Cool. Thanks, guys. Thank you.